Thank you, thank you. I'm excited. I'm glad that we're back together again. Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving break? Yeah, I did. Um, got to hang out with the people that stayed in town uh, for the week and have Thanksgiving with them. And we played games and I won. And we had the best Thanksgiving turkey I've ever had in my entire life. So props to Ian and Sean. It was deep fried. It was incredible. Um, so I'm glad you guys had a good break. Um, I'm going to pray and then we can get into what we're talking about tonight. Jesus, thank you for tonight. Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you for this community. Thank you that we have Kai Alpha, and thank you for you. Lord, we love you. Um, God, I pray that your truth would just, uh, just shine tonight, um, that it would burn in our hearts, Lord, and I pray that we would just know from tonight, Lord, just how much you love us, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, yeah, so I am Heather McEntee. I am Sean McEntee's wife, for anybody who didn't know. Um, and so a little bit about us. Sean and I, we got married February 2015. Um, and then five months later, we moved to West Virginia. There should be a picture of us. This was like two or three days after we moved. We were walking around on campus, and everyone's like, they're always like, oh, man, Sean, you look so young, and now you look so old. And they're like, Heather, you look the same. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we've been here, we came up here to work with Chi Alpha, and we've been doing that ever since, and it's been pretty incredible. Um, but coming here brought up many questions. You know, I'm from Texas, and I was moving all the way to West Virginia. I'd lived in Texas my whole life, never thought I'd leave. So I was like, what is it going to like to live here? Um, you know, I'd been in Chi Alpha before, so now I'm going to be on staff. So another question was like, am I going to be good at my job? You know, I was a student leader, now I'm going to be a staff member. What is that going to be like? Um, and then, you know, I had all these really great relationships back in Texas. Now I'm going to a completely new place, and I know a couple people, but there was still the question, would I have as deep relationships as I did back in Texas? Um, so yeah, those were just questions I had, and I wanted at that time just an assurance that everything was going to be okay. Um, that I was going to be great at my new job, that I would love West Virginia, um, that I would make deep friendships. But I was, I was still unsure, you know, everything was new. Um, and I think all of us go through times like that. You know, there's so many different things going on in each and every one of your lives, especially being in college. You have so much going on, and there are a lot of uncertainties. Um, some of you guys, you know, you want to be assured that when you're in a group project, the rest of the people in your group will do the work that they're supposed to do, right? Or like, you know, when you go see your academic advisor, you want to be sure that they will make sure to tell you all the classes that you need so that you can graduate on time, right? Um, I know some of you guys probably have jobs, um, or you're either trying to work really hard for a job in the future, and you want to be assured that it'll be a good job and that you'll keep it because you need a steady income. Um, or what about like relationships? You know, you wanna be assured that your friendships will be reliable, your friends will be trustworthy, that they'll be there for you. Or, you know, especially we wanna be assured that we are loved, truly and deeply loved. We want that assurance. But can we be completely sure on these things? You know, like how many of us have been part of a group project and it's almost crashed and burned because no one did their work and you were stuck doing everything, you know? Yes. <laughs> or how many of you guys or know anybody who's gone to see their academic advisor and they ended up screwing them over because they forgot to tell them about a class that they had? 
you know, and they had to take an extra semester of classes. It stinks. Or, you know, we know so many people that have gotten laid off on their jobs. Like, that's not secure. And as much as we love our friends and family and loved ones, we've been let down, right? And so our plans for our life aren't always secure. We aren't always assured that the people in our lives will live up to what we want them to be. But, I mean, we crave this this assurance. We crave steadiness. We crave to be grounded. You know, we crave um, for certainty. But is that possible? Well, I want to tell you guys that the Bible tells us that there is something we can have complete assurance in. It's pretty cool. Um, Tonight we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus and how through his resurrection, God has given us something we can be completely assured in having. I'm talking 100% it's ours. We can be assured that we're going to have this. And he says that this is for those who have and will choose Uh, to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I want to let you guys know that this assurance that we're, like, promised to have is only given to us by the mercy of God. So are you guys excited to find out what that is? Yeah. Well, I'm excited to tell you, but I'm not going to tell you quite yet. Um, So like I said, we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus. So I wanted to give you guys some details prior to the resurrection. So throughout Jesus' time, Um, with his disciples, he shared with them that he would have to suffer, die, and that he would rise again in three days. Um, But the disciples, they weren't really excited about that. They thought if Jesus has died, all of our hopes would be gone for a good future. And so as we read in the Gospels, we see that all that Jesus said would happen did happen. He ended up being wrongly accused by religious leaders Um, He ended up being sentenced to be beaten, nailed on a cross, and then eventually die because of that. And the crazy thing is that Jesus was completely innocent. Like, he did not deserve that. But he willingly suffered the worst type of death possible so that we wouldn't have to. How great is our God? That's his mercy for us. Um, But there's more that happened. After Jesus died, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And then in three days, Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And so resurrected simply means the state of one risen from the dead. And so since Jesus was resurrected, this has, like, some major implications for all of us, for you guys and for me. And so we're going to figure out from Peter what those implications are. So our scripture tonight is 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. It's on the screen. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So Peter says that in God's great mercy, through the resurrection of Jesus, we are now 100% completely assured that we are going to have a living hope and an inheritance. This is so cool, right? 
Okay, so maybe you're asking like, okay, what does that entail, a living hope, a resurrection? We are going to get into that. But first, we need to realize that Peter says that this is for those who receive a new birth. So when you accept Jesus into your life um, as Lord and Savior, you're brought into a new birth. And so some of the scriptures say that you're born again. We see that in John 3, 3 through 7. And so this simply means that we are born of above. And so this birth is a birth into a spiritual life. Your spirit comes alive. You learn about a whole new kingdom that is a spiritual kingdom, and it's the kingdom of God. You start to read the word of God, and then you're, you're feeding your spirit. And so when you're born again, that means you have a new life, and you are given new things in this new life. And so we are given hope, a new kind of hope that we've never been given before. And so what is hope? Um, when I was thinking about this, I think sometimes we think hope is more like a wish. You know, we have strong desires for something, but we don't have, like, any expectation of receiving it. Um, but Merriam-Webster uh, defines hope to be a desire with expectation of obtainment or fulfillment. A desire to, with, to desire with expectation or of obtainment and fulfillment. Those are a lot of words. <laughs> um, so I told you guys earlier that Sean and I, we moved here three, a little over three years ago. And unfortunately, my parents have not come to visit us um, since we've been up here. They just haven't gotten the chance. Um, but I've been waiting for the day that, want, you know, that they'll come visit us. And I've desired for them to come see what my life is like here, what our life is like here. Um, and so in March, this past March, um, my dad called me, and he was telling me that him and my mom were finally going to go on a much-needed vacation. And I was really excited for them because they just don't go on vacation that much. That's not something we did as a family growing up. So I was really excited for them. And then they told me, you know, they had never been to the Northeast, so they were going to visit Pittsburgh and all those other different cities, and with that came a trip to visit Sean and me. And so I was like, yes, they're finally going to come see us. Um, everything I wanted was finally going to come true. And so once they told me that, I started making all of these plans of, like, where I was going to take them. I was like, I could take them to the Polka Dot. I've never been, but the pictures look really cool. And so I have to take them there. And then I love pies and pints, uh, chicken gouda. And so I was like, I'm going to take them there because it's the best pizza. And obviously, I wanted to take them to all these food places because food is a really big deal in my family. Um, so, yes, I was super, super pumped and just had all of these plans. And so, you know, that was March. Summer came. And then I was on the phone with my dad again, and he was just telling me um, that their landlord was coming to visit. Um, and I was like, oh, why? And they told me that he was really thinking about redoing the townhome that they have. They rent. Um, and so with that, they were probably going to be asked to move out of that townhome and find a new place. And I was like, okay, well, let me know what happens. And so he came, the landlord came, and went, and my dad called me again. And it, exact, it happened exactly like my dad thought it was going to happen. And um, I was like, okay, cool. So, like, what are you guys going to do? And at first he had told me that they were going to rent, but then a couple of days later they had talked about it, and they said, we're going to buy a house. And this, again, is a big deal because my parents, as long as I've lived, they've never owned their own house. And so I was like, wow, like, you're finally getting this opportunity to own your own house. And I was like, sweet. Um, but then my dad said, Heather, because we're going to start looking for a new house, 
we won't be able to come visit you in September. That would have been this last September. Um, and I was really bummed. Um, I mean, I understood, you know, they had no choice to move out. They had to find a new place. And they also had to save the money that they were going to spend on a vacation to put a down payment on the house. Um, but nonetheless, all my plans that I had didn't matter anymore. You know, they weren't going to happen. Um, and all my hopes of my family finally seeing what my life was like here, what Kyle was like here, meeting all my friends, all my hopes of that happening um, were crushed. Um, and I think in life, in this life, we can hope for how things will be and do what we can to make sure we obtain them, but there are still so many uncertainties, you know, on whether it will happen. Um, plans don't always go the way we hope that they would. And like I said earlier, people let us down. And so we've all experienced this. We've all experienced being let down. And sometimes not maliciously, it's just circumstances, you know. Um, but if this is what hope is, is this the kind of hope that Peter's talking about? You know, one where we have expectations or desires, but there's still the possibility of being let down? And where we can never be confident of what we hope for? Is this the kind of hope Peter's talking about? Um, well, I want to tell you guys, no. Peter's talking about a new kind of hope. Peter says that we are given birth to a new hope that's called a living hope. A hope that won't fade, a hope that lasts. And then in the, in the King James Version, it says a lively hope. One that is full of life and joy. Um, and what's really, really amazing about this hope, the Christian hope, is synonymous with confidence. Peter's saying that we can actually be confident in fully obtaining what we hope in. And so what, what is this living hope in? You know, it's not necessarily that we will have everything in this life that we want or hope to have, but this living hope, this confident hope, is in a future eternal life that we have in Jesus. Um, you guys, we're talking about the resurrec resurrection of Jesus. And so by him rising from the dead, he didn't leave his followers uncertain about their future. When he rose from the dead, he showed us that all of what he did and said held weight. He showed us that who he is who he said he was, that he is the son of God, and that also, by him rising from the dead shows us that his sacrifice for our sins was acceptable to God. And now we can be forgiven. And so because Jesus did this, we have the hope, the confidence that we will have the gift of eternal life. It's so cool. And this life, in case you don't know what it's like, it's a life where there's no more tears, there's no more fear, there's no more evil or any bad thing. This life is going to be a life that's good and awesome and joyful because that's part of who our God is. We have an assurance to this new life, this life that can be ours for eternity, complete 100% assurance. And what's amazing is this hope will help us in this life right now because we know that we have something great to look forward to. And even when we go through pain or trial or like any type of suffering or sorrow, this hope helps us know that it will not last forever. 
We can be confident in the promises that we have in Jesus, and we can overcome what's in front of us because we have, in Je- we have Jesus. He helps us endure this life. So Jesus has completely assured us this new hope through his resurrection. How amazing. So that's the first thing that we have 100% assurance on. What's the second thing? Peter says that the second thing Jesus has assured us through his resurrection is an inheritance. An inheritance. Y'all, to be honest, this word at first means nothing to me because my family isn't rich, so I'm not receiving an inheritance. <laughs> like, I don't know about you guys, but this is just, it's just not common. You know, you're like, okay, cool. What's, what's the inheritance? Um, but yeah, how many people in this room are receiving an inheritance when they reach a certain age? You can be honest. <sighs> nice. Yeah, so a couple of us. That's really cool. Um, yeah, but, you know, how many of us could say, you know, like, Yeah, like when I'm growing up and I reach a certain age, I'm going to get $10 million for my inheritance. Like, how crazy would that be? Or, you know, people say, people could say, you know, when I grew up, you know, my parents have this amazing three-story house with uh, a porch surrounding the whole thing with every kitchen accessory that you could ever want, marble countertops in the most luxurious bathroom you could ever want. You know, obviously, you know what's important to me in a house. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, they could say to their buddy, like, you know, that's going to be mine, you know, when I reach a certain age. Like, nobody, we don't really know many people that can do that. And so an inheritance is kind of like, kind of far off to us. But this is what Peter says that we can receive. How awesome, though, would it be if, like, all of us did receive an inheritance from our parents? Um, well, if you do have an inheritance now, super cool. But Jesus says you're going to get a new one. And if you don't have one, you're in luck because Peter says you're also going to get one, too. And so, super cool. So how does this even happen? Well, back in the Bible, an inheritance was really, really common. Once a son was born, an inheritance was granted to them. But they would receive it. They couldn't receive it until a specific time. And so that's the same for us. Um, Because of what Jesus has done for us through his resurrection, when we are born again into the kingdom of God, we are given the right to become children of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. And so we are also given an inheritance that is granted to us. And this inheritance is kept for us in heaven. And so Peter describes a little bit of the characteristics of our inheritance. He says, first, that it won't fade away like money or a house that we could have one day that's run down in 100 years, you know. Um, So it doesn't fade Um, And he also says this inheritance doesn't spoil or perish. Like food we could have in our refrigerator for a month. You know, like there's no expiration date. It's something that lasts. So that's really cool. But the question still is what is our inheritance in? Peter doesn't exactly say what it's in. But we can see from the Bible um, it gives us glimpses of what it is. Um, So first... I'm going to talk about just one aspect of our inheritance, um, and I think it's the most important one. So we're going to look at Psalm 16.5. It says, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. So we see from the psalmist a glimpse, a glimpse from the psalmist that his inheritance is God himself. Um, there's another verse we're going to look at. It's about Aaron, who was Moses' brother, and about his uh, tribe, the Levites. 
his and their descendants. So this is what their inheritance is going to be. It's Numbers 18, 20. It says, And the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in the land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the people of Israel. So Aaron and his descendants, the Levites, would not gain the same inheritance as the Israelites. They would gain as their inheritance God himself. So a little bit of background. Prior to this passage, uh, we read that God had rescued the Israelites out of Egypt. And so God tells them that he is going to give them a land flowing with milk and with honey, which means it's rich and abundant in resources, and that this will be their inheritance for them. And each family will be allotted land. Each tribe will be allotted a land. But God tells Moses, not the Levites, they will inherit me. And so from these verses, both of them, we get a glimpse of what part of what our inheritance will be like. We also get to receive God as our inheritance. Um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. When I read this in the Old Testament, I seriously wondered if the Levites felt ripped off because of this. Um, Here are the other Israelites possessing their very own land for their family, for their livelihood. The Israelites, they had not possessed anything for over 400 years because they had been in slavery. And so now they get a tangible possession that can be passed down from generation to generation. But not the Levites. They did not receive that privilege of an inherited possession. And so I'd wondered if they felt ripped off because part of me believed that they should also receive land that they could call their own. But really, in my heart, what I believed was that just having God wasn't enough. And then I thought to myself, if I just had God and nothing else, if everything else was taken away from me, would I be okay with that? These are thoughts that I've had. I don't know if you've asked yourself that. And it's interesting. I've heard similar questions um, from people about what heaven is going to be like. You know, they say, you know, we're going to get God, like we're going to be with him, but like what else are we going to do? You know, are we just going to worship him the whole time? Or, you know, they ask if it's going to be boring or if we're going to become like the angels and sit in the clouds and like strum harps all the time, you know, like... (sighs) But as I sat and thought if the Levites felt ripped off, I believe the obvious answer was no. They didn't complain about their inheritance. And I think it's because they had a better understanding of God than I did or those people that asked those questions. You know, I had, got, I had thought God wasn't enough because I sometimes didn't understand how great our God is. Or how awesome he is. He is incredible. He's amazing. He, he is intelligent. He created this, entol- this entire world. And I didn't understand that. Or I didn't understand what a joy it is to personally know him. And to actually be with him. So again, in light of what these verses say, part of our inheritance we receive upon entering eternal life will be God himself. 
And Jesus confirms also in John 17, 3, what eternal life will be like. He says, eternal life is to know God, the only true God. Psalm 16, 11 also tells us what it's going to be like. He says, God's presence is abundant joy. In his right hand are eternal pleasures. Y'all, to know God, to have him, is beautiful. And it's satisfying, and it's freedom, and joy, and peace. To have him in our lives is to have a safe refuge when we don't understand anything, or even understand him sometimes. And to know him is to know his goodness and his faithfulness. Through Jesus' resurrection, we gain this assurance of an inheritance. It is the gift of God himself and to know him. And in this life, we can receive a portion of that inheritance if we choose. And then the next life, we receive it fully. What a blessing we have through Jesus' resurrection. We get to have a new hope for a new life. And we get to be with the best person in the entire world, Jesus. Um, I had mentioned this earlier, um, and I want to bring it up again because I think it's something we need to realize. Peter mentions this in his verse, um, and it is the ability to receive these precious gifts is through the resurrection of Jesus, but it's ultimately because of God's mercy that he's had on us. Mercy means not getting what we deserve. We get to have a living hope, and a beautiful inheritance. But y'all, we don't deserve it. Because Jesus died on a cross for our sin and was resurrected, we do not get what we deserve. You guys, we, we are sinners. We have rebelled against God. We have chosen what is wrong, and we have broken his law. And what we really deserve for what we've done is hell. You guys, I have lied, I've cheated, I've stolen from people, I have been soaked in jealousy and envy of other girls, and I've been selfish, I've been conceited in my life, full of rage and unforgiving towards people. I've had sex before marriage when I knew it wasn't right in God's eyes. And I've also worshipped other things besides God. I've given other things my worship. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's perfect standard. And to be honest, since we all are sinners and deserve hell, the truth would be is that God would be right in giving us what we deserve. But God has been merciful to us. He has not given us what we deserved. He has saved us from what we have deserved. Because he loves us, he has graciously blessed us with the gift of his son, and through his resurrection, eternal life and an inheritance. You guys, he has been so loving to us, and he has been so, so kind. His mercy is rich, it's great, abundant. And he loves giving his mercy to us. 
and he is willing to give it to everyone who wants it, to those who believe in his son Jesus and receive him as their Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord. The band can go ahead and come up. Um, I want us to respond tonight. Um, I know many of us are in different stages of our Christian walk. Um, so there's going to be a couple of different responses. Um, but yeah, in light of God's mercy, um, for some of you guys, God has just been stirring a gratefulness in your heart for his mercy and for his love. And so tonight, I want you guys to just praise him for that and worship him and thank him for what he has given you. Um, I think some of us, Tonight, you walk with God, but you've lost sight of what Jesus has done for you and the mercy God has given you. And maybe that's because your eyes have been so focused on the things of this world. But if that's you, God is asking for you to lift up your eyes back to him and to eternal things. And he's asking you... Um, and he wants to help you change your perspective and your priorities so that you can live this life for your next life. Um, for some of you, you walk with God or you want to, but you haven't believed that God has mercy for you. You felt that you could only receive good things from God if you worked hard for it. But that is not the case. God is asking for you to trust that he will give you mercy and for you to know that he loves to do it, he wants you to believe and receive his mercy tonight. And then the last response. There's some of you in this room tonight, and you haven't given your life to Jesus yet. And God wants to pour out his mercy on you. And he wants you to receive his blessings of eternal life and his inheritance. And so if that's you tonight... If God, if God is stirring your heart, will you raise your hand to receive Jesus and to receive his mercy? If no one has raised their hand, that's okay. Um, but I encourage you, if you are stirred to do so, talk to your small group leader tonight. Um, to the rest of you, uh, we're still going to respond, and so these altars are open for you to meet with God.